Episode 131 of the Bevan James R Show, Bevan's Baby Steps. Radio team, welcome along to episode 131 of the Bevan James I'll Show, your fortnightly podcast on behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness, so you can get all the benefits that come alongside it. Welcome along, we're in mid-May here in New Zealand, and actually everywhere in the world we do all share the same date. Um, I've got a, I've got a, I've got a show that's an interesting show. It's interesting, sometimes when I do this show I have these lots, or I have an idea I really want to kind of work on, and then sometimes... I kind of wake up in the morning and go, what am I going to do on the show? And uh, today was a bit like that, but as I sat down, I gave myself half an hour to do some prep for the show, and as I sat down, I, I had an idea which I want to work towards. Now, I have to be honest, what I've come up with is a bit of a work in progress, but it's something I really have thought about doing for a long time, so today is the day I'm going to introduce something called Bevan's Baby Steps. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that. Before I get into it, in the main just of today's show, just uh, thanks, first of all, Dr. Laura, last episode. We've had lots of good feedback on that. You guys obviously really valued her input and some of the insight that she shared. Uh, it's really good to have someone who's, you know, like has a passion for what I have a passion for, but obviously highly intelligent and a high level of knowledge in this area and able to kind of talk to us in a way that we understand and, and share some of that prioritization of health from a medical medical kind of field kind of way of looking at it. So that's kind of cool. Uh, before we get into the main just of what today's show, there is one thing I just kind of want to lightly talk about. Um, as I was, I was saying before, I didn't necessarily have a topic in my mind around what I was going to do in today's show before I, before I kind of found what I was going to do. And one thing I wrote down was, what is the value when you go out for dinner? Is it being full? I, I, you know, kind of being full of food, you know, and I wrote down this concept and it's something that I had in my, what I do with this show is in my kind of uh, notes app, if I have an idea, I'll just write it down. So I might be out doing something and I just kind of grab my app and I write it down. And this, this whole idea of what is valuable when you're going out for dinner. And it reminds me of an experience that I had a couple of weeks ago. So a couple of weeks ago, I went away with two of my very good friends. Now, two of my very good friends have big families. So one of them's got like five kids. One of them's got like three kids, all very young kids. Both of these couples have very, very demanding lives. Both parents work full time. Um, You know, when you've got five kids, when you've got three kids, it's a pretty full on life. And so they're they're great. They're, They're really great families and they're really great with their kids, but they don't get much time to themselves. So as a group of friends, we thought we'd go away for the weekend just with the adults. So the kids kind of left home and people looked after their kids and and my daughter's nearly 21 so (laughs) happy birthday Tyler coming up next week. Uh, And so Joe and I found it easier to get there and we went away and we had an amazing weekend. We had such a good time with some of our very best friends. We just had this amazing weekend where pretty much spent two and a half days together just laughing together. We danced, we played cards, we went for walks, we went out for dinner. We just had this beautiful weekend which really reinforced the value of good friends in your life. Like it was, you know, as we drove away, you know, from this, I I kind of thought back to that book, Lost Connections, and that, you know, that one of the things that, 
they talk about in that book, Lost Connections, that depression often comes from people who disconnect from the people in their world. And when Joe and I drove away from, we went to a place called Tekapo. When we drove away from Tekapo, I had the opposite effect. I felt full of life because I'd filled my cup with some really cool people in my life in a real genuine, genuinely connecting way. Like it was a really kind of powerful and strong weekend in my life. And it made me think of when we have these social interactions. And often when people go out for dinner, they often eat to a really unhealthy level. And and, and, and to be honest, I do it too. You know, we all do it. We, we go out for dinner you know, you have a, you might have an entree, you have a main, you have a dessert, and you kind of think to yourself, you know, well, I'm going out for dinner, it's a once or I'm going to go a bit OTT. And in some ways, it's not a bad thing, but for those people who are maybe struggling with their weight or want to have an aspect of control in their life in this way, maybe a good way to think about this is what is the real value of you having this activity in your life? Because when I went away with my friends, the real now we probably ate. I don't think I ate that much, too much, but I, you know, probably ate a little bit more than I did in the weekend because you had, you know, snack food around all weekend. Um, I was definitely out of routine. Let's put it that way. But the real value was having genuine connection with some really important people in my life, uh, and it was really cool because as we all were, it was we're going to make this an annual event. Was kind of what we talked about. And if you're somebody who has struggles around food when you go out for dinner. Obviously, good planning and, and really thinking about how to not overeat in these situations or not overdrink, because a lot of people will be alcohol will be the problem, is to remind yourself what is the real value? What is why am I really doing this? You know, why am I really going what's the real value of me going out for dinner? If you're going with people who you really enjoy their company, well probably the real value is their company. You know, so when you think about what you want to enhance in that night, it's real human connection with those people. And and I think that if we can do this, if we can think about what do I really value as I move towards certain activities in my life, then it can also help you keep perspective on some of the things that maybe you go OTT around. So if you are somebody who when you go out and you be social, you actually just always drink too much. Well then maybe it's to remind yourself that it's actually the real value isn't to get drunk. The real value is to connection and maybe I can do that without drinking or drinking less or you know, the real value is human connection or is to have a fun shared experience or something like that. Maybe I don't need to eat so much as a part of the experience. And so, and and the reason I think there's value in this kind of thinking is it just helps put your focus in the right area. So it was interesting, actually, I was speaking to one of my runners the other day and she was talking about her husband and she says, she was talking about, we were talking a little bit about um, young men and their brain development and talking about the frontal lobe and how they take longer to develop. And she said, I know the exact moment my man grew up. And she said it was when he was 34. And it was when he realized that going out for friends meant he didn't have to get written off with alcohol. Like, you know, that was when that was kind of when he finally matured. And she said it took him to his 34 to figure that out. And now he can go out and be social with alcohol. But it wasn't about getting written off. But up until that moment in life, social meant I was going to get written off. And so the value of social interaction with him was probably getting written off. Now, obviously, there was more value, but there was probably, I'm going out, I'm about to get written off. Now, I imagine this person, now when they go out, they probably think the real value of going out is spending really good time with my friends, maybe offloading, maybe having a good open discussion about certain things. You know, that's the real value. And so 
it's just a subject I'm, I'm not going that's pretty much I'm going to leave that, that today but if you ask someone who when you go out for dinner or where there's alcohol or there's moments in your life where there's one activity but it's you're actually triggering a bad behavior maybe a good thing to help you stay on a good path in these moments is to remind yourself why what's the real value of me doing this the real value of me going to, to take with my friends was to have amazing shared experience with some really important people in my life where I felt free I could have a laugh I could have some fun it wasn't overeating for two and a half days and as I move to the time of my friends in the future that's the thing I always remind myself of because that's where I'll put my focus so hopefully some value in this um I'm about to get into the main gist of today's show but I do want to say thank you to a few patrons of the show and I do have a new patron, and uh, I'm just pulling up the name right now. The name is Marie, and I think it's Andrix. So it's A N D R I E U X. And I, I, I Marie, it's I, I'm not great with um, reading names. Uh, you guys probably know that based on this show. Uh, but I did the apple trick. I did this one here where you push the apple and you get it to read it to you. So here we go. Listen to this. Andrix, and that's what Apple says your name, so that's how I've done it. Thanks so much for becoming a patron, and now when you become a patron of the show, you get a nickname, and when I saw Marie, I thought nobody knows a problem like Maria from Sound of Music. I said, well, I'm not going to call her Sound of Music, but I like the idea of the sound of, and so then I've called Marie the Sound of Glory. Because obviously you're a glorious person. So Marie, thank you for becoming a patron. Uh, some other great patrons of the show are Sarah the Oracle Hill, Scott Akadeka or ACDC Young, David the Unstoppable Storm Hale, and then we've got Karina Lifting Higher Hirschman. These are all patrons. Actually, I also want to Donald the Explorer. He is also a patron of the show and he's recently increased his patronage which is really cool and Donald James that is Donald James the Explorer and um, he's writing a book and it's pretty exciting stuff Donald worked at NASA his whole life and he's got a pretty fascinating story and he's writing a book right now so once his book is out I'll make sure all you guys know about it because Donald's now retired and I love the idea of somebody who has been a very successful career and obviously have a lot of insight to share on life and so I love it when you know, people of a wise experience share their wisdom. So, Donald, good luck for the book and make sure you let us know when it's complete. So, if you want to become a patron of the show, be a part of the kind of patronage community, you can go to bevanjamesisles.com, donate as little or as much as you want. And each time I release an episode, you just donate a little bit of money to what I'm doing here. And you're basically supporting what I do, and it really does make a difference. So, thank you to all the patrons. Once again, go to bevanjamesisles.com and you'll see a link to the Patreon page on there. Anyway, I'm going to pretty much move on with the main just of today's show. It's going to be, I'm pretty excited about it actually, so let's get into it. If you've listened to the show for a long time, you may have heard me talk about a guy called Dave Ramsey. Now Dave Ramsey in America, if you're an American listener, I've got lots of listeners in America, so hello to my American listeners. Um, if you're an American listener, you may have heard of Dave Ramsey. He's one of the kind of top, really is one of the top financial kind of content creators in America. He's got a very, very successful radio show slash content creation business. Um, very, very successful. And he's got a podcast called The Dave Ramsey Podcast. And I actually recommend everybody listen to it. I do have to admit there's aspects of Dave Ramsey who I don't necessarily agree with. Um, and he's just certain things that I 
you know, they're a different opinion on it and it's fine. Um, but what Dave Ramsey has done amazingly well in his content creation is he's taken personal finance and he's put it, he's communicated it in a language that helps people think that they can do it. You know, it's interesting when we think of areas of change, you know, exercise is obviously one of those areas of change that most people really struggle with. They really struggle to have exercise in their life. But finances is another one. You know, you, you definitely get different types of people around finances and you get people who are very good with money, uh, which is, let's be honest, is, is more of a rarity. Then we get people who are kind of okay with money and then we get a lot of people who really struggle with money. And one of the problems for these people who really struggle with money is they just don't know where to start and often they've created really bad habits and systems in their life which means they're actually really behind the eight ball you know they've got a lot of debt they've got a lot of pressure um like i have to admit i've always been pretty good with money and one of the real values of being good with money is i don't stress about money and i think that's a really nice place to live your life whereas a lot of people a lot of time in their life goes into worrying about money and Dave has what he's done in his content is he's created a system that he calls the seven baby steps to success around money and the thing I like about this step his seven baby steps is it's very much a you need to do one step before you do the next step before you do the next step and so on so it's designed to take somebody who's probably already behind the eight ball of money uh, he, you know, it, it, that's who where you start his baby step process, and then from there you walk towards this plan, which ultimately in the long term makes you a wealthy person. And one of the really cool things about his podcast, his podcast is basically just his his radio show, and his radio show is a talk back radio show where people ring up and talk about financial advice. And on his podcast. Um, he's really he's really anti-debt, he really hates debt and so he gets people to ring up and they talk about that they're debt free and then he gets people who have made millions and he talks to them and interviews them and it, it is really quite inspiring and it does make you kind of reflect upon some of the choices you're making around finances but it's not just that he makes you reflect, he gives you a really cool framework in his baby steps. So I thought before I kind of tell you where I'm going with this, I'd talk you through what his baby steps are. So let's, I don't know your financial position right now but let's just say right now you have debt to the level that creates stress in your life, okay, debt to the, to the level that creates stress in your life. Maybe something else to put here is that you, you probably have no savings as well. So you've got no real money in the bank for savings and you have debt that creates stress in your life. So, so that's, where, that's where his starting point is. Now his first baby step is what he calls saving $1,000 for an emergency fund. Now what he talks about here is that an emergency fund is when Murphy's Law happens in life. Murphy's Law happens in life. And let's be honest, it does. The washing machine breaks down, the car breaks down. Now if... You know, these things happen in your life. Now, if you have no savings and you already have a current level of debt that is stressful for you, when that washing machine breaks down, what happens? You become massively stressed. And so what he says before you even start to try to pay off your debt is you need to have $1,000 sitting in the bank that's accessible any moment for when those things happen because those things are going to happen your car is going to break down something's going to happen in your house you know someone's going to die you might have to go to a funeral these things you, you, you can't see them happening but there's a moment they turn up and they happen so his first step is 
make sure you save $1,000 for an emergency fund. And again, it needs to be really accessible. Basically, you can get it at any time because you don't want to try to, you know, it's a struggle to get it when that thing comes along. And if if you do need to use it, let's say the washing machine does break down, you spend $400 on it, then, uh, you know, before you go on to the next step, you'd refund it back to $1,000. So that's his first baby step. Baby step number two is called pay off debt using the debt snowball method. And one thing he talks about here, and I really like this, is what he calls the debt snowball. Now, what a lot of people talk about when they think about paying down debt is they'll look at the interest rates they're paying and they'll say, mathematically, it's wiser to pay off the highest interest rate first because I'm going to save money in the long term. And Dave's argument here, and I like his argument, is that that's not a wise strategy because often you might have the biggest interest on your biggest debt. And if you're putting most of your payments into that, you never really feel like you're winning. And one of the real keys to success in moving forward with your financial situation is a sense of I'm winning. So what he gets you to do is he gets you to write down all your debt. So let's say you've got an HP on a TV that you bought and you've got $500 left and you've got a car payment that's worth 20000 and you've got, I don't know, another th- bed payment that's, you know, so you basically look at all your debts and you write them down. What do I have the smallest debt? And what do I have the largest debt? And you basically do a scale of the smallest through to largest. Now, once you've paid off your $1,000, then what you do is you, you create that, debt, that understanding of your smallest debt to your highest debt. And then you pay off your smallest debt first. So all the extra money you, you, know, you basically have, you put on your smallest debt. Now, again, a lot of people are going to say, why would I do that? I want to pay off the highest interest first. But what he says is once you pay off that smallest debt, you start to feel like you're winning. You start to feel your momentum is going in your direction. And then all the money you've been putting on that smallest debt, you put on to the second debt. So it it's a snowball effect that the more I start on this process, the more I feel like I'm winning. And it's a really important thing we need to think about when we think about behavior change. Sure, if we look at maths, we're going to say it's not going to pay off the debt the fastest. But if we look at momentum of human habit, that's a really wise step. His third step is to save three to six months. So this, so again, you've done step one, you've done step two, now you're doing step three. So his third step is to save three to six months of expenses for emergencies. So in his first step, it's $1,000 for those really short-term emergencies. The next step is to get rid of your debt. Now, once you've got rid of your debt, and this is other than your house. He talks about your house as a different debt. Uh, so any debt other than the house, it goes into that debt snowball. Then save number three is three to six months. So then you want to save, once you've got rid of all of those debts other than the house, you want to save three to six months of expenses. So basically three to six months of your income sitting in the bank, the gain that is very accessible. So you wouldn't put it in an investment that would have a... Um, you know, that would be hard to get access to. So let's say you earned your household was a hundred thousand. Well really you want to save about, you know, twenty rare from maybe twenty-five thousand to forty thousand dollars sitting in the bank for the really bad things in life. Because let's say you lost your job and you had no money in the bank, that, that then you probably have to look to debt. So that's why it does that. Step number four is to invest fifteen percent of your household income into Roth RAs or pre-tax retirement funds. Now that's very American centric, but basically invest fifteen percent of your income into your retirement plans. Really, and he loves he loves um, what he calls mutual funds, and he goes into a bit more detail around that. Step number five: once you're saving fifteen percent, anything on top of that, then you start to save for 
your children's college fund. Step number six is to pay off your home early. So you're still putting 15% into your retirement fund and you're still saving for your kids um, college but then you start to pay off your your home debt earlier and then step number seven is to build wealth and give so once you know you've paid off your home you're putting 15 percent aside you've maybe saved your children's college then you build wealth so you buy more investments and you give wealth away which is kind of building a legacy now that's his seven steps now there are a lot more details to it and i could go into more detail but it's kind of not what i'm really talking about today but i do recommend getting his book he's got a book called the total money makeover which is a very good book and you could listen to his podcast but you can see what he's done there he's created these steps of where are you on your journey what steps should you take and what behavior should you take along the way now dave's I've listened to his podcast for years and it's kind of one of those podcasts that I come and go to. Like I know some people are like that with this podcast, they don't listen to it religiously, but they'll come and go to this podcast at times. And one thing I've done nowadays is I, I do my weekly budget. And so when I listen to my weekly, when I do my weekly budget, I listen to Dave Ramsey and it's kind of the only time I listen to him nowadays, but it just reinforces, okay, our behaviors are good. It's looking after our finances. Well, Dave Ramsey's baby steps have been a very, very influential thing. And it made me, I've been thinking a lot about this lately around baby steps for two areas. Baby steps for movement and baby steps for eating or diet or nutrition. And today I want to introduce, and, and I've got to say, this is very much first draft. I think this is something I'll work on over the next period of time. Um, and I'll make tweaks and I'll make, um, you know, more, more, There'll be an evolution of this. You know, I literally spent maybe an hour writing this down before I started recording this today. So it's very much what's in my head right now. But I can imagine as I kind of start to explore this further, there'll be some tweaks that come along. But I've really thought about what are Bevan's baby steps for exercise. And this is for movement. So this isn't necessarily for um, for for nutrition or weight loss. It's very much. But although I would like to do something like baby steps around weight loss. But we're doing movement today, and like Dave, the way I've kind of approached this is this is for somebody who's not moving at all. Now, with Dave's baby steps, people slot in at different stages, because some people don't have debt, so and they might have some savings, so they might, they might ring and he says, okay, you're at baby step number three. So even though this is designed for the person who isn't exercising, I imagine even my exercisers who are listening to this may fit in at some of the baby steps along the way as I talk about these today. Now there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven baby steps in Bevan's baby steps for movement. Um, and if you ask somebody, it's, you know, like if I talked about Dave's start point, so Dave's start point was somebody who's got no money, probably got a lot of debt and living paycheck to paycheck. That was baby step where they start. So I'm this here, my start point for this person is somebody who's maybe never exercised, um, is unfit, has doesn't have the exercise habit in place. So baby step number one in Bevan's baby steps is get out the door with a winning attitude. Okay, baby step number one is get out the door with a winning attitude. What does this mean? The first baby step is to learn how to get out the door. So when we, and what I mean by that is learning how to start exercise. So this is, I've got a bit of criteria for each baby step. So the first thing is your only focus in the first baby step is, did I get out the door? So we're not actually concerned about how much movement you did, how hard it was, 
how long it was. If anything, it's really important you do not focus on those things. The only thing you're focusing on in baby step number one, getting out the door for winning attitude is, did I get out the door? And this is important because what we are thinking about here is you're just learning how to set up the habit of exercise. You know, like for somebody who exercises, they know the routine of getting out the door. For somebody who hasn't exercised, they don't know that. So the only focus, I've got just a couple of key points, the only focus is getting out the door. You have to know that, uh, you have to know you can win with the movement. Okay, so you have to know you can win with the movement. What I mean here is, when you think about the movement you're going to do when you get out the door, it has to be, I know I can do this today. I have to know I can win with the movement. So um, I talked about this a little bit in my book. When you think about what you have to win with, if getting out the door is the goal, what movement level do I know I can win today? So I know I can do a 10-minute walk today. Now again, you're not allowed to judge the exercise or the movement. Okay, So you might say to yourself, well, going for a 10-minute walk is a waste of time. And step number one, you do not judge the movement. And if anything, it should be so stupidly easy that you can just win. So you you know you can win. So you're not trying to grow with the movement in step number one. The only thing you judge is did you get out the door. Now if you got out the door, you went for a 10 minute walk, you have won in step number one. You learn to celebrate and learn. So you're planning to celebrate did I get out the door. It's, once you're out the door and you're walking, you only do a 10 minute walk, when you come back, sure you could say, geez I didn't really do much physically in that session, but you're only focusing on celebrating getting out the door. Okay? And you're trying to learn what helped you get out the door in a stage. And then also, you're trying to learn the planning side of getting out the door. Lastly, control the movement. Once you get out the door, you're actually not trying to grow too much. Now, in step number one, which is again, get out the door with a winning attitude, the purpose of this time is you're only learning how to start exercise. Okay, And that's all you're trying to do. You should stay, um, you should stay in this place for around maybe four weeks. So I kind of think that step number one, learning to get outdoor, is a four-week project. You're learning to get outdoor, you're celebrating to get outdoor, the movement is not challenging, it seems stupidly easy, and as each time when you win, you're just reflecting upon, what did I do well, how did I plan well, how did I get out of the door? Once you've got past step number one, step number two in my baby steps is find a movement you enjoy doing. Now this here is an exploration process. Because, you know, one of the, the biggest, most frustrating questions I get as a fitness professional, there's two questions you get is, when is the best time of day to exercise? And what is the best movement? What is the best exercise to get results? And the answer is, the best time of day to exercise is the best time for you, because we're all different. But for movement, it's, the answer is the movement you enjoy. Like one of the things I find most frustrating as a fitness professional is when you see a fitness professional who loves the way they move and they crap on all the other types of movement. You'll see, you know, like a CrossFit person crap on running or they'll put a picture up of a runner and say, look at that skin, you know, it's scrawny body in comparison to a CrossFit body. You'll see somebody who likes, I don't know, you might see a runner laugh at a dance aerobics person. Like when I did Ironman, you'd, you know, they'd laugh at me because I was an aerobics instructor. To me, that is such a limited way of thinking. Movement is the goal. If you love dancing, if you love that, you know, one thing that's kind of popular nowadays is the pole classes, you know, women doing pole dancing type classes. If you love doing that, who am I to judge you doing that? You're moving. Like, it's a win. 
why in the heck would I judge you moving? So, if that, yeah, as you can see, that frustrates the crap out of me. So, the the real goal in trying to help you love exercise and have a habit of exercise in life is you've got to find a movement you love doing. Because if I tell you to do running because it gets a good result, but you hate running, I'm always trying to push, you know, poo up the hill. I was, you know, I was going to say shit, but I can't say shit, so I'll say shit, poo up the hill. Uh, so, you know, your, your job is to find movement you enjoy. So once you've learnt that habit of getting out the door, the next part, while you're still just getting out the door doing a winning level of exercise, is to spend some time exploring different options. And in your month, your second month, I would say maybe write down five or six options, and each week you might try one or two different options. So you might try a Zumba class, you might try a running group, you might try um, CrossFit, you might try a pole class, you might try a tramping club. You, you, you just try a bit of everything. So you're just exploring different options and seeing which one you enjoy the month. So in the second month, you're just going to try these. Now, there's a couple of kind of key points to this. When you're going in your exploration phase of finding a movement you enjoy doing, you're going into it with a beginner's attitude towards yourself. Because if you're going to try five different things in a month, you are going to be the total beginner in each of the areas you move towards. Like if you've never ran ever and you go to a running club, it's highly likely you're going to be towards the back of the running group. You know, if, if you've never done dancing and you try a Zumba class, you're going to be a little bit unco. If you're going to do CrossFit for the first time, some of the movements they do are going to feel awkward. You're going to feel a little bit unco. So if you go into it, if it, I'm judging myself and I'm the worst in this group, you're going to be creating a resistance for yourself towards success. So in this area here, in baby step number two, finding a movement you love doing, your job is to explore different options, but to realize you're not going to be great at it, and you're going into it with a beginner attitude towards yourself. So you're, you're allowing yourself just to explore in a non-judgmental way. Uh, Turning this, uh, what I'm, turning up and trying is success. That's what I've got written down here. So just the fact you've tried, turned up and, you, and you're giving it a go, that is success. So like I was saying in step number one, success is did you get out the door? Success here is did I turn up, did I actually turn up and did I give it a go? And you might have been crap at it, but that doesn't matter. You That is success in step number two. Really, you want to try to set up everything in your favor there. So that's step number two. Finding a movement you love. Step number three, and this is an important step. Step number one was learning the habit of getting out the door, setting it up. Step number two was exploring and finding a movement you love. And after a month, you've probably found one movement you love. You know, you may have determined that actually you love, there's a class at the gym called Body Attack, because I teach Body Attack, I said that. Uh, and you've fallen in love with Body Attack. And while you've tried CrossFit and you've tried tramping and you've tried running, there's an attraction to Body Attack. Now, now the second thing you, the third thing you want to then do is find the right exercise world for you. Okay, find the right exercise world for you, and this is a really important thing because what we're trying to do in step number three in finding the right exercise world for you is we are aiming to we are aiming to find an environment that encourages us to continue on with the movement we found we love doing. Okay, because environments. And community has a massive influence on our ability to be successful with exercise. 
You know, you've heard me talk on this show about my running group. The key to my running group is to create community. The reason we're able to help so many people achieve amazing goals is because they feel a part of a social world. So once you've found a movement you enjoy doing, you want to find the right world. Let's say you found a Zumba, you, you did Zumba and, you know, you actually think Zumba's the one for you. Well, I would say go to a few different Zumba classes in your local area. Don't just go to one. There might be three or four Zumba classes within a similar driving distance of your house or your work. And I would say spend a bit of time exploring different Zumba classes. Or let's say running. You've found running. Don't just go to the first running club. Go around and spend a bit of time exploring different running clubs. Now, here's what you want to think about as you're exploring these different worlds. There needs to be a high level of care and support in this world. Okay, there needs to be a high level of care. When you turn up, do you do you look at this world and you think these people are really caring, they're really supportive? Because let's be honest, you're in baby step number three, you're still pretty vulnerable to exercise. You want to make sure you feel safe in this world. So in step number three, which is find the right exercise world for you, does this world have a caring and supportive environment? And a good way to find out is to talk to the people who are participants in this world. Look, it's interesting, I had a client of mine, a, a client who I worked one-on-one with for a while, and she was working with this coach who was a, quite a renowned triathlon coach in a local area, but the environment was really bad, and the environment just made the athletes feel a bit crap. And I was really, I really encouraged my client to try to find different environments, and she ended up finding a cycling group, and the cycling group was really supportive and really great, and... She was really motivated. Now, this person was already a pretty hardcore exerciser, but she was really motivated to cycle because of the environment that she was in. It was a supportive and caring environment. And once she moved away from the environment that wasn't so good and into a a, a healthier environment, she excelled in her exercise goals. So it's an important thing that in step number three, you're thinking about that. In step number three, finding the exercise world that's right for you, it needs to have an amazing, amazing leaders okay so you're thinking about the environment what's the feel of this environment what kind of culture does it encourage like I think about my running group you know when I do speeches to my running group I often talk about you know we we try to encourage growth community and fun and in a world where there's no bringing people down it's all lifting each other up and I'm really proud of my runners because they kind of understand that this is what we believe in and when they're in this world, that's what they do for each other. So there's this kind of understanding that we're actually here to lift each other up. Sure, I want to grow as a person, but my job is to also lift you up on the way. And I'm really proud of that because as a leader, that's what I wanted my world to be. But once people come into my world, they kind of subconsciously learn this and they create and own the culture that we really want to believe in. But the next step is you need amazing leaders. And amazing leaders are me to me, are people who want to teach you and guide you based on your current level, okay? So, you know, one of the biggest problems you see of fitness professionals is they try to push people too hard too early in their journey. A great leader, a great teacher, tries to understand where you are in your journey, and they try to guide you towards the right growth based on where you are in your journey. So as you look at the leaders in this world, do they have the ability to be able to help someone like you for where you are in your journey. Okay, that's a really important thing to be aware of. The next thing is, it needs to encourage social. 
To me, a fitness environment should have a social component to it. And if it doesn't have a fitness, a social component to it, it's missing a really important part of what's going to create success. So things like, do they do things like a running group? Does it have coffee afterwards? The Zumba, do people hang around and have a gossip? Do they have the occasional meetups outside of the Zumba class? Those types of things. Because I can guarantee if you create social connections around exercise in the right exercise world for you, the habit of exercise becomes a lot easier. It's so obvious. So that's an important thing to be aware of as you start to find the right exercise world for you. So again, step number three, find the right exercise world for you. Again, there needs to be a high level of caring and support. You need to have amazing leaders and they need to encourage a social community in this world. Baby step number four, Bevan's baby steps in movement, uh, is at first set beginner goals. So right now, if we look at baby step number one, you've got out the door, you've learned that habit. Baby step number two, you've found a movement you've enjoyed doing and you've put yourself in a world that's going to encourage you to do that movement. Now, by now, you're actually starting to look for beginner goals. But this is the really important thing. You've got to set beginner goals. So the first thing we want to think about in baby step number four is set beginner goals is you need to find a realistic measure of where you are in this journey. So let's say you join a running club um, and, you know, right now you, you might have got up to running 5Ks or, you know, you can walk, run 5Ks. Well, aiming to do a marathon is not the right goal. You know, aiming to do a marathon in the long term could be a really cool goal, definitely. So like, you know, five years from now I want to do a marathon or two years from now I can do a marathon. But at first setting beginner goals, which is baby step number four, that's not the right goal right now. So when you think about this, first of all, measure where am I right now? So I can walk, run, 5Ks. Okay, that's where you are right now. So what's the right goal? Well, the right goal might be just to run 5Ks non-stop. Or it might be to run 10Ks in three months from now. So what you're looking for here is growth, but at the right race, right pace set on your current ability. Okay, this is an important thing to think about. You want to set goals. Goals are really important. We do want to be chasing growth, but sometimes people set up their unrealistic growth, which ultimately makes them fail, which pushes them away from exercise. In this first period, we've got to set goals that allow you to feel like you're winning. So they need to be realistic. They need to make sure that they're, they're growing you at the right pace based on your current ability. And it's really important that you use your support network to help guide you through this. You know, like as a coach, sometimes people come up to me and they'll say, what do you think of this goal? And I'll say, I don't want to discourage you. And I think long term, that's a really healthy goal. But right now, I think this is a better goal and it'll be less than what they come to me with. And that can seem that I'm, I don't believe in them, but it's not. It's that I want to create success for them. And many people, when they kind of first start a habit of exercise, they can be really keen, but their lack of wisdom in an area can actually set them up for failure. So when we look at, at set at first set beginner goals, you want to use your entourage of wise counsellors around you to help you set that goal. And again, if we go back to step number three, which is um, find the right exercise world for you, if you have great leaders, they'll be able to guide you towards those goals. Because they'll be able to go, mm, what lessons does this person need to learn? What epiphanies do they need along the way? And how do I guide them towards that? Step number five, baby steps, Bevan's baby steps towards movements, is... This is now, so now you've you've probably achieved 
your beginner goal. So let's say it was running and at first you could run walk and you set yourself a goal of running 10Ks in three months and now you've done it. At that stage, you've got a good habit of exercise, you've found a good routine, your body's a bit more adapted to the movement you love. Now you start to learn how to challenge yourself with movement. It's interesting, I've really kept that a long time away, haven't I? And as I think about my programs, so with my running programs, we get people who are total beginners, we get them to do 5Ks, and it's we never push them hard. Then we often get them to do our 5K program again. Uh, we make There's a more challenging version of it. And we say to them, try to run a little bit faster, but we don't push them hard, we just kind of explore them going a little bit faster. And then they do a 10K group. So this at this stage, these people are probably about, three to four months into their running journey with us. Actually, probably four to five months into their running journey. They're running comfortably around 8K at this stage, um, but they're not pushing hard. But by this stage, we know they've got the habit, they're, they're loving running, they've got a good supportive environment, they've already set some good beginner goals, and they've won with those beginner goals. At this stage, we learn to challenge them. So they'll do our 10K program, and in my 10K program, what we do is we kind of say, let's teach intensity. Let's actually try to challenge you with the movement now. So for example, we have a track session. And in the track session, it's a running track session where they are learning to run hard. Now in the first period of the track session, the first four weeks, it's an eight-week program, this 10K program. In the first four weeks, we kind of teach them how to run hard, but we don't drive them hard. We kind of say, okay, go a little bit faster. Now, how does it feel? Could you go a little bit faster? Now in the second half of it, I actually, if I'm coaching them, I drive the session harder. So I actually consciously say that, no, you need to go harder now. You need to push yourself harder because they've learned how to challenge themselves with the movement. And this is a really rewarding thing, like running hard or, or exercising, doing the movement you love to high intensity or to high levels is a really awesome place to go. And it's often the most rewarding place with exercise. But you need to wait a few steps to get there. And for those people who haven't got to the steps before that, I wouldn't encourage that. Like if you know someone who's just done get up to five for the first time, I would say you don't want to go to intensity first. Build a bit more of a base before you go that. So that's why that's step number one, two, three, four. That's why this is step number five. Step number five: learn how to challenge yourself with the movement. Do this in a wise way. So again, use your mentors in your world around you, so you don't push yourself to injury. Look for small growth steps. Um, learn the mindset of this new place. That's a really important thing because let's say you've, again, if I'm just going to write that down because I didn't have it as a baby step. Learn the mindset of this place because intensity or challenging yourself for movement is a different thing than just doing a movement. So when you're going into this, you want to learn the mindset and have that kind of learner's perspective. You know, I'm learning how to run faster. I'm learning how to push myself more. I'm learning how to dance with more attitude, whatever it is for you. And use your mentor coach really wisely in this step. Step number, I think it's six, one, two, three, four, five. Step number six of my baby steps is live with the perspective that your life is better when you have movement in it. So now when you've got to this stage, you actually have learned how to challenge yourself with movement. And in this place, this is a bit more of a perspective thing because by this stage, you know, if you look at all the baby steps, you've learned how to, to, to get out the door for winning attitude. You've found a movement you love, you've found the right exercise world, you've gone past that level of just setting beginner goals, you now learn how to challenge yourself with movement. It's really important that we want to create a sustainable life 
with exercise in it. And what we don't want you to do is once you know to fall off the bandwagon at this point, because what we want is a lifetime love of the exercise. So in step number six, it's more the perspective of seeing how much value movement is bringing into your life. So step number six is live with the perspective that your life is better when you have movement in it. So what you're looking for in step number six is moments of awareness that teach you or shows evidence that your life is better because you have exercise. So, you know, I feel fitter when I'm at work. I feel esteem because I feel good about myself. I have friends around movement who, who are really important to my life. These types of things are really important. You're also learning the head game, you know, that, that you learn self-discipline. You know, like I learned that this is good for my head. This My evolution as a person is, is this as well. And understanding, you know, things like that challenge is great for me. So you want to become great at seeing how much value movement is bringing to your life. Because once you do that, it's so easy to stay on that path. You know, if you if you don't see the value of something, and, and and for a lot of people, they're never good enough. You know, you know, you're doing so well, but I'm never good enough. Well, if you can start to see that actually, I'm, you know, I started this journey, I'd never done any exercise at all. Now I'm in a group of people, and I love it. And I have a routine, and I'm growing in this area. And you can see that you can allow yourself to own your wins. So it's a really important thing. And then baby step number seven is always look to grow. You know, one thing I've talked about a lot in this podcast is I see a lot of people with the routine of exercise, but they stopped growing with the exercise. And so it's an important thing to think about with your exercise journey is don't just have the habit, always look to grow with exercise. So set new goals, set ways to evolve yourself, set skill development, these types of things, because you'll always love movement if you're always growing with movement. Now, for those people who have the habit of exercise, that is good, and it's, you know I'm happy with that, but I want exercise to be a thing in your life which is a guiding light around how you become a deeper, more evolved version of yourself. And when you're growing with exercise, that's what you're doing. So sure, there'll be moments where you've come off a goal and you want a bit of downtime, but realistically, you should be setting goals Often, you should be looking for growth points. Often, you should be looking for challenges. Often, and you should be reflecting and learning upon where are my own growth points along the way. So you set goals that help you evolve as a person. So there are my baby steps. Bevan's baby steps for movement. I'll recap what they are. Step number one is getting out the door with a winning attitude. Baby step number two is to find a movement you love doing. Actually, actually I'm going to go back in. Step number one, get out the door with a winning attitude. Focus, the only focus is getting on the door, getting out the door. The movement is a level that you know you can win. You celebrate getting out the door. You're learning planning. You control yourself around the movement. You want to do this for around a month. Baby step number two is to find a movement you love doing. Spend a month exploring different options. Go into this with, I'm going to be average at this, but that's okay. Your success is measured on, did you turn up and give it a go? And you set everything up in your favor to help you be successful with this. Ideally, in this period, you get to the end of it, you've found a movement you enjoy doing. Then, once you've found a movement you enjoy doing, you go to baby step number three, find the right exercise world for you. So although you may have found a Zumba class you like, you're going to explore different Zumba classes or different CrossFit classes, whatever. And at this time, you're trying to find the world that's going to help you be successful. In this world, they'll have a high level of caring and support. Their culture 
will just show that to you. They'll have amazing leaders or teachers who want to guide you based on your current ability. It will encourage you to be social. It will have a real community aspect to it. Baby step number four, you set beginner goals at this stage. So in this step, you find a realistic measure of where you are in the movement you love, and you use that as a comparison point. You look to grow at a slow rate based on this realistic measure. You'll use your support network to help you be wise, and then you'll move towards this goal in a way that allows you to win. Like, you should know deep down you can get this goal in this stage. Step number five is learn how to challenge yourself with movement. So once here, you've now got a routine, you've probably set some goals and set them before and achieved them. Now you're learning to challenge yourself in a more challenging way with your movement. You need to do this in a wise way. So again, you need to be realistic around your growth. It's small growth steps, but you are challenging yourself. You're learning the mindset that comes with this challenge. And you're going to use your, your guiders, your mentors, and your coaches wisely in this part here. Step number six is to live with the perspective that your life is better when you have movement in it. And this is about you looking at your life and seeing how much better your life is because you have movement in it. You look for evidence that reinforces that your life is better. You learn how it is better. You understand that challenge is good for you and you move towards, you keep reinforcing this because it keeps you in exercise. And then baby step number seven is you always look to grow. You understand that your exercise journey needs growth. You always look to grow based on yourself. And you use this growth to evolve yourself, not just as a mover or an exerciser, but as a person. Can you see how they work? Can you see how these baby steps can give people a pathway for success? Now, as I said, as I began today's show, this is very much 101. This is very much, I've just literally wrote these down today before I did today's show. And I think these will evolve a little bit over time, but I think it's really important stuff. It really is. It's really important stuff. So if you're someone listening to this today, I want you to work through it. If you're someone who hasn't moved in a while, now I know I get a lot of people who listen to the show who already exercise, and maybe you need to think about where you slit and kind of slit within this, the baby steps. Like maybe you are a regular exerciser, but you haven't grown in a while, and, and, and you're kind of you know, or you've lost the perspective of the value of movement in your life. You know, so where do you sit right now in, in these baby steps? I'd love for some people to do this and, and come back to me in a couple of months and let me know how they're going along because I, I would like to kind of maybe build a bigger framework around this. So again, baby steps, Bevan's baby steps, get out the door for winning attitude, find a movement you love doing, find the right exercise world for you. At first set beginner goals, learn to challenge yourself with movement, live with the perspective that gives your life is better when you have movement in it, and always look to grow with movement. I hope there's some value in that for you, and I hope that gives you something to think about. One thing I, I would love for you to do, if you've got a friend who you know deep down struggles with movement, can you please send this to them? Say, look, I'd love you to listen to this podcast. I think there's some real value in this podcast, because I'd, I'd love for some people who aren't moving to work through this framework and and come back to me and let me know where I've got it right because this is very much my idea and I have to admit I've created a business kind of around these ideas and we are proven to be successful but I'd love for some people to really work through something like this so please if you know some people who's really struggling with movement send us to them get them to have a listen and maybe they can flip me an email as well I do believe that if you take my baby steps there's a much higher chance you'll be a better version of yourself I hope you guys got a lot out of that. Um, 
I'm kind of inspired, I have to admit. I'm kind of inspired because I think, going back to Dave Ramsey, he's helped probably millions of people, really. He's big, big in America. He's probably he's helped millions of people get on top of their finances. And the effect he's had on the world has been pretty massive. And the thing he's done really well is he's given a framework that people go, oh, I can do that. Like, I can do that. That seems achievable. And because they believe it's achievable, they start. And then he gives really clear steps around what you need to do next. And that's what I've tried to create in Bevan's Baby Steps for Movement. And I really would love to see some of you try it, especially those who are struggling. You know, and maybe go back to this podcast a few times, listen to it, use it as a framework. I haven't really created any content around this for you to download, and maybe I will. But I want, you know, my job is to get people moving. It really is. My job is to get people moving. And, um, you know, for those who aren't moving, this is what it's all about. So give it a try. And again, if you do know somebody who's not moving, please send it to them because I'd love to kind of get some feedback on the, from those who are struggling with this. I, I, I would love to do one on nutrition. Now, I have to admit I'm not a nutritionist. So I've done my study in nutrition as a fitness professional, but uh, a qualified dietitian is I am not. Um, nutrition is a funny world because there's a lot of people who can sell information about nutrition who actually have bugger all qualifications. And I want to do one on nutrition, but it's more based around behaviours. So it won't necessarily be what you eat, although there'll probably be a very broad baseline around that, but more around the habits around diet. So um, I don't tend to do diet on the show. I tend to always promote movement, but I do think there's some kind of behaviour stuff that we can look at around food and, and nutrition uh, and mental well-being that comes alongside that as well around that so maybe in the next few episodes i'll get onto that anyway uh that's pretty much today's show if you've got any questions you can email me at bevanjames at gmail.com if you want to become a patron go to bevanjamesos.com you'll see there's a patreon link on there um I, I, I try really hard to make a great show and, and it really means a lot to me for all those people who give some of their hard-earned money to support me here because um, I'm pretty passionate about this stuff and you guys help me do what I do. So if you want to become a patron and you want to be someone who supports this message, just go to bevanjamesiles.com. Uh, that's pretty much me for today. I'll be back in a couple of weeks. I'll probably have an interview for the next couple of weeks. So look forward to the interview show and then uh, maybe I'll be doing Bevan's Baby Steps for Nutrition uh, in the next couple of episodes. Anyway, have a great day, and I'll talk to you in a couple of weeks from now. See you, bye.